You are listening to The Nameless Minority. Let's get started. Welcome to The Nameless Minority, a podcast dedicated to grieving parents. Losing a child is not something most want to talk about, but here we strive to give grieving parents a voice. By giving space to grieving parents to talk about their child, we hope to create a community of support and love for those often overlooked. Please join us in shining a light on these strong parents and their beautiful children. On today's episode, we talked to Melissa about her daughter Alexis. Towards the end of the episode, she references Marcy. She's referring to Marcy Larson, who is also a podcaster. Marcy's podcast is always Andy's mom, and I just want to say congratulations for reaching your 100th episode. Welcome to the Nameless Minority. Uh, today we have Melissa, who is going to talk about her kid Alexis. Uh, how's it going down there in Arizona? Um, it is. It's going. It's going. <laughs> it's going. Work is going. Life is going. You know. Um, I think that's a good operative word. Everything keeps going, right? Even though yeah. the world for uh, you know, has pretty much stopped, I feel in some point in some parts of my life. So it's going. <laughs> the going is what you want, though. You don't want it to stop. Yeah. No, that's absolutely right. It's going. So even some some days I feel like I make good progress and some days not so much, you know, but as long as we keep going, you know, I always say that whether you're moving forwards or backwards, you're moving in a direction in both ways or it's, it's progress. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just showing that you're getting up and doing it every day. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I agree. <clears throat> All right. How would you describe Alexis? I had Alexis very, very young. I had her um, two weeks after my 14th birthday and she was the best baby. Um, she just was when you think of like stereotype, good baby, never sick, never had any issues, just listen to me, even as a a small child, like she was perfect, perfect. Um, And I laugh because my other kids were not like that. You know, they had ear infections or, you know, they would get your, um, classic fevers when their teeth were coming in, you know, all the things that make parents worry. Right. Um, she just didn't have any of that. In fact, it almost made me naive in some stance, you know, in some circumstances, because she was just such a healthy, good kid. I never had to worry about anything with her, you know, and she had, um, a smile that would light up the world. Um, always had a a very infectious smile. Um, Sorry, I knew I knew this was gonna happen when you start. I was like, ay, ay, ay. Um, nope. so she just she's just a really good kid, really good kid. Um, very much a people pleaser, wanted didn't want you to be upset with her, you know. Um, just a really great big sister. Um, she just was born for that role. Uh, she was always like the caretaker. Uh, cause they're right now I'm married a second time and we have a total of six kids. So his, mine and ours. And, um, she just loved that. She loved being, you know, the big sister. She loved being, um, that one that they would all go to. And, you know, that, that was her. And because we were so close in age, you know, she would always kind of joke and be like, I'm their mom too, (laughs) you know, like whenever I would work or I'd be in school and she would be there to babysit or help as, you know, as she got older, she would be like, you know, that I'm like their second mom. And, and they, they, all her brothers and sisters, you know, they knew that, you know, so she was, she just loved being a big sister. Like if outside of being a daughter, like she loved being a big sister, that was like her role. She was meant for that. 
That's awesome. Um, man, so you were 14. Yeah. So like what do they say, a kid raising a kid? That's, yeah. My parents were 16 and 19. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it was cool to have a, a parent not much older than you because, you know, they actually <laughs> still did things with you and everything. So yeah. I think that was the best part. And my parents struggled raising us, but you know, they were young. They did. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite memory of your kiddo? Um, my favorite memory, I would have to say is, I have two that come to mind. Um, the first one is her graduating. I was so proud of her graduating high school. Um, I did not graduate high school. I took a, a very different route. Um, I ended up dropping out of high school and then I went back to get my GED and went back to school after that. But um, so to, to watch her walk across that stage, we were very, very proud of her. <clears throat> and for me, it was like, I could live kind of vicariously through that, you know, like I didn't get to do that, but my kid got to do that. And I was very, you know, it was very satisfying to, to see her do that. And so she was so happy that day. Um, so that, that's, you know, a great memory. And then the second memory I would say is the day, um, she became a big sister. She, um, she was an only child for five years, like five and a half years, <clears throat> And, um, I had my son when I was 19 and, um, she was just so lonely before she had her brother. She was so lonely. She really wanted someone to just kind of live life with. And, you know, we'd be around other parents that were obviously older than us, but, you know, at an appropriate age to have children. And, um, you know, they would have siblings and she would just always be like, you know, when am I going to be a big sister? So the day that that happened, um, you know, she was just so happy. Her, my friend actually brought her to the hospital and he was like, this is your little brother. And she was like, so excited. And she's five, almost six. And she was so excited that she ended up actually peeing her pants, which is like not normal for a five, you know, cause she's very well potty trained, you know? And we we're like, what is going on? What is this smell? And she was just so embarrassed. Cause she, like, she just wanted to get to the hospital and wanted to hold her brother that she didn't want to tell anybody that she had to use the restroom, you know? So we always kind of joke about that. Like, you know, your sister was so happy to see you that, you know, she peed her pants and she's just like, oh, like, as she got older, she'd be like, mom. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but she was so proud. She just like beamed from ear to ear. Like, this is so cool. You know, like I get, I get now a little person of my own, you know, to hang out with all, all day, every day, you know? So that's, that's cool. I, I have a twin brother. So there's only a minute apart between us. So, oh, wow. We, uh, yeah, my parents were 16 and 19 with twins. So, oh. yeah, yeah. They tell some, some good stories about us. We won't talk about them. Um, <laughs> can you tell us what happened to your kiddo? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, it goes back to summer of 2020. So July of 2020, she got really sick with um, COVID and she had um, messaged me and she's like, you know, mom, I'm just not really feeling good. And I said, okay, well, you need to go to the, um, the ER. Cause she had told me she had a fever. And so her dad, um, dropped her off in, at the ER because that that's, that was like at the peak of COVID back here in Phoenix. And so that, you know, nobody was going into the hospital. So, you know, how unfortunate, you know, and, and I feel, and like going back, I just feel awful for, you know, my ex-husband, like dropping off your kid in the ER, you know, and not being able to go with them and everything's just scary and unknown. Right. So, um, he drops her off and she gets tested for everything and she's positive for COVID positive for strep. She has a fever and, um, you know, they're going to trans, he took her to a small hospital, but then they transferred her to the main hospital here, um, in Phoenix, which is St. Joseph's hospital, which is actually a hospital that I worked at for 10 years. And they admitted her to the ICU right away. So they took her to the ICU and um, she stayed there for about three weeks. 
and they were helping her with her breathing. They were, you know, monitoring her. And at one point they were worried that um, she was going to be intubated. Um, and that was really scary for us because I, I couldn't be there. And, you know, so, and I'm, I'm trying to coach my young child in how to be strong, you know, you're going to be okay. And meanwhile, she's watching like her neighbors because the ICU in that hospital is all glass doors. And, you know, even though they have curtains, she can see like what's going on. And so, you know, she would call me and be terrified and tell me like, um, they just wheeled out my neighbor. He passed away. So she's thinking this is going to happen to her, you know, and she's only, she's only 21 or she had just turned 21. Yeah. So she's just like, mom, you know, and I'm like, you're, I, and, you know, so we prayed a lot over the phone and I just said, you know, nothing's going to happen to you. You just, you keep praying, you keep doing what you're doing, practice your deep breathings. And so that, that was one of the things that we did. We would do a lot of deep breathing exercises over the phone. And, um, so we just, we, I really gave her hope. Right. And, um, I shared a lot of, um, text messages back and forth with like my family, my friends, like, you know, she's in the hospital, she's doing okay. And so they would all reach out to her too. But um, luckily for me, I worked there for 10 years. And so I knew a lot of um, people. And so I would send my friends there and I'm so thankful for them. They would go and check on her and they would like knock on the window and, you know, they couldn't go in, but they would just be like, we're here. If you need anything, let me know. So, so even though I wasn't there with her, she, she felt like protected because like her, she knew that her mom had people that were there, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, I used that to my advantage a little bit. And I was like, please go check on, you know, my daughter, just put eyes on her and make sure that she's okay. You know? So, um, anywho, so, so she got really sick. She came home. She actually came home on a, on an oxygen tank. And, um, that was really, you know, you could tell very frustrating for her because she, um, didn't, she felt handicapped. She's like, mom, I have to go everywhere with this oxygen tank, you know? And, um, so we would just talk to her and be like, well, you know, you're okay though. Like, you know, try to look at it in, in a different set of eyes. You're okay. You're alive. You're out of the hospital. And, um, she had a hard time kind of really regaining her strength back. Um, walking was very difficult for her because her lungs had just taken a big toll, um, from COVID. Um, little exercises that you and I do or activities, I should say that you and I do like, you know, just walking to the fridge or walking here, like it would totally wipe her out because she just didn't have that reserve in her lungs. And so that took her a while to build up. And, um, you know, she just walked around with this tank, I want to say for like two months, you know, and then in addition to that, you know, my poor family, they were experiencing multiple deaths on my, um, ex-husband's side. Like they had lost three family members and they all had went into the hospital at the same time my daughter did. And they all didn't make it out. The only one who made it out was my daughter. Wow. So, so she was just like my poor, like not just her, but my whole family was like, what is going on? You know, people are just kind of falling off the face of the earth left and right, you know? So we were just so thankful that she had like made it through and that she, you know, came home and, you know, even the doctors um, attributed her success to, um, her age, you know, she's young, she's strong, you know, and, um, really didn't have any other medical issues. Um, she did suffer from sleep apnea and that's kind of something she's had for like, since I can remember, you know, but, um, you know, they just said she's, she's doing good. Right. So she gets home, um, starts to assimilate normal life and, um, you know, she's 22. So she kind of wants to, you know, do her own thing, right? She wants to do her own thing. She's trying to figure out life. And um, she ends up moving to Iowa um, with my sister. My sister lives in Iowa and she really just wanted, Alexis wanted to get out of Phoenix. She just felt like it wasn't an environment that was helping her be productive, you know? And there was a lot of pressure she felt just as a young adult for me and the rest of her family to be successful, you know, and I say be successful in quotations because that's really hard for the, these kids. They, they either know what they want or they don't. And she was kind of in that like middle ground, you know, 
um, so she's like, I just don't really know what I want to do. And, you know, she went to school to be a pharmacy tech, but, um, she just felt like she wasn't really thriving out here. And I said, well, if you feel like Iowa's where you need to go, then that, you know, you're, you're 22. I can't like stop you anymore. Right. So she did, she went to Iowa and during her, that was in February, she went to Iowa, like a little bit after her birthday. And um, so during her time there, she really enjoyed Iowa. She enjoyed the the green, lush fields, the cows, the you know everything that Arizona is not. She enjoyed that. And um, you know she'd call me and just tell me how different it is. She was there when spring started, and you know there was still like snow on the ground a little bit. And you know she would she was just seeing things and from a nature standpoint that are very different than how she grew up here in the desert. And um, she got to bond with my sister. And so it, it was actually a really good experience. And you could tell there was like a piece um, that was developing with her. And I just, you know, I feel like my daughter really wanted a life that was a little bit slower than Phoenix, you know, and could kind of allow her to be um, more of herself. And I don't think she knew what that was yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and so, so she got there and she was just so happy. She was very happy. And she was just taking it one day at a time, trying to figure out what does adult life look like for her, you know? Um, so the night before she passed away, I, um, I called her and I, um, I was actually having a really good day that day. I had had an epiphany of just some things that I wanted to do on a professional level and, I, I was sat in the living room and I was telling my husband, um, oh, that was the next day. I'll get to that. So I, I was, I was sitting in the living room and, um, I was talking to my three-year-old and I said, um, do you want to call your sister? Cause my kids go back and forth from their dad. And so that night I happened to be by myself, um, just with the baby. And I said, do you want to call your sister? And he goes, yes. And I said, which sister do you want to call? I have a younger daughter named Lizzie and I have Alexis. Um, who we call Lexi. I go, do you want to call Lizzie or do you want to call Lexi? And he goes, Lexi. So I FaceTime Lexi and we're talking and my daughter has this personality, like she's just funny and sarcastic and witty. And like, when I think of a girl I can get along with, it's my daughter. Like she just, she's, she's very much like me. Um, not really a tomboy, but not super girly girly. Like things don't hurt her feelings. You know, we can joke around and make fun of each other, almost like brothers, you know, and that like, that's our relationship. So we're on the phone, we're making fun of each other, laughing and just, you know, just having a good time. And we were laughing so much that I actually took pictures of our FaceTime video which I never do that. I like, because I take it for granted. I FaceTime you. It's a conversation. Like I would never take pictures of this conversation. Right. Because I, I didn't know in a normal situation and find anything special about it. Right. But this was just the camaraderie we we're having was just so good that I was like, Oh, I'm going to take pictures of us laughing. Right. And we get my little, my little one on the phone, Lizzie, and we're talking and I said, um, okay, well, I love you. Good night. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. And, um, we hung up the phone and then that was it. And then the next morning I, um, sat in the living room with my husband and I was telling him like, man, you know, I just, we're just in such a good place right now. And that's when I was telling her, I had this epiphany of some things I wanted to do on a professional level. And he was, you know, like, yep, I agree with you. And I said, um, let's go to the gym. And he goes, yep, let's go to the gym. So we go to the gym and, um, I get a call from my sister and my sister doesn't call me. She's pretty like, you know, it's usually like a text message, but I just knew when that phone rang, I was like, this is not good. Like, why are you calling me? Like, I, I just had this feeling, you know? So I'm at the gym and, uh, she, she calls me and I pick up the phone and she's like screaming and she's like, Melissa. And I said, what's wrong? And she's like, it's Alexis. Um, she's dead. And I, and I said, what? And she goes, yeah, she's dead. She's not breathing. So I work in healthcare. I was a surgical tech for like 12 years before I got into like the, my, my administrative role. And, um, I immediately kind of went to like my healthcare brain. So when she said she wasn't breathing in my head, I'm like, well, may that might be true, but maybe you don't know CPR. Maybe she just stopped breathing. Like, what can we do to try to help this? Right. So, um, 
I told her, put me on FaceTime. I said, put me on FaceTime. What are you talking about? So she puts me on FaceTime and, um, you know, she's losing it. She's crying. And I said, and I see my daughter and my daughter's kind of, you know, slumped over. And I said, well, let me see her face. And, um, I, I knew when I saw her face that, you know, I've seen that face a hundred times over, you know, this is the face of somebody that had is not breathing and is not alive. And so I said, I go, what happened? And she's like, I don't know. She went to sleep and this, I found her like this. And at that time it was like one o'clock Iowa time. So it was like a little bit after 11 Phoenix time. So, um, I, you know, I'm just trying to coach her. I'm like, check her wrists, check her. You know, like, do you know how to check her pulse? Like I'm still trying to like, I, in my head, I'm like, there has to be a little bit of hope because I, my logical brain is like, no, this, you know, I know what's going on, but the mother in me is like, you know, you know, are you sure? Are you sure? And then, I, and then of course I'm like, where's the police? Did you call 911? And she's like, yes, I called 911, but my sister lives in such a remote town that it takes 20 minutes like for anyone to get out there and the people that do get out there are like volunteers because they all work for like the local fire department so I'm getting frustrated because I'm not there you know I'm in a gym now so if you can picture this I'm in a gym that is three stories I'm facetiming my sister and I and I have my earbuds in and and I'm I'm trying not to lose it right so my husband is a few feet behind me and, um, he's like, what's going on. And so I'm like, you know, talking to him, I'm like, my sister just called. She said, Alexis passed away. And he's like, what, you know? And he, he, so he, he starts to get emotional and lose it. And I'm like, you, I was like, you got to keep it together. We just got to get out of here. So, um, I, I mentioned the gym is three stories. So I went to, um, we were on the third floor. And so I had to go down to the second floor and get my son. So the whole time I'm like talking to myself and I'm like, okay, Melissa, um, you just got to keep it together for two minutes. You just got to go get the baby, get your bag, get out of here. And then you can deal with this. Right. And I was like, you know, and I'm like talking to myself, like literally walk down the stairs. Don't look at anybody, you know, just keep your cool because I, I didn't want anyone to try to assist me or think that I was crazy, you know, and I didn't want to have to explain why I'm going to like lose my brain right now, you know, in front of everybody. So, um, I go get the, I go get the baby. My husband is a mess now. So he's on the phone, like calling people and, you know, telling them what, what's going on. And, um, I, I grab my gym bag and I'm in such a daze that when I walk out of the gym, like, you know, how, um, double doors have like a metal steel frame in the middle, you know, to keep the two doors um, open. I like walked right into it with my shoulder. I didn't even like pay it because I just saw, okay, I got my bag. I got my baby. I got my husband. Let's get out of here. And I like walked head on into this beam like it shook the whole like wall and the lady at the front desk is like, are you okay? And I'm like, yep. (laughs) And I just kept going. And I had this huge bruise on my shoulder from like walking, you know, as fast as I was trying to get out of there and all my body weight, like hit the, you know, the door frame. So I get out of the gym. I'm, I get to the corner of like the sidewalk and I just start crying. And, um, I call my friend, I have a really good friend. Um, she's like, like a mother, sister, like she's just everything to me. And I call her and I'm like, I tell her what happened. And she's like, what? You know, everyone, cause everyone's like, what? You know, that's like the response to everything. Cause she, this was so sudden, you know? And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And, she, and, and she goes, are you sure that she passed away? And I said, yeah, I, I saw her with my own two eyes. I, she passed away and she's like, oh my God. So she's like, are you okay to drive? I'm like, I'm okay to drive. And she's like, well, you know, call, you know, so she's trying to help, like, she's trying to give me solutions, but like, what can you do? You're four States away. Right. Like I I'm getting news and I'm trying not to be irrational, but I'm, I, I'm just trying to process everything. You know, I just talked to her the night before and then I'm getting this, new, you know, so like it, I, I was numb. It didn't make sense to me, you know? And, and so I'm just trying to like process everything. Right. So, um, I call my sister back, I get her on FaceTime and she's just a mess. Right. So she's crying. And, and I said, you know, and her name's Madeline. I said, Madeline, are you sure? You know, I I was like, are you sure? And she's like, no, I'm sure Melissa. She's like, she's, 
she had passed away. And I said, okay. Um, so, and I go, well, where, where is the ambulance? And at this point it had, been, I mean, it felt like an hour, but I mean, it probably had been like maybe 10 minutes, you know, from the first phone call to me calling her back. And, um, I said, well, where's the ambulance? And she's like, they're on their way. Like I've called them. They're just, you know, she, it's so far away from everything. And so, um, she goes, oh no, they're here. So then the, um, the EMT gets there and I'm listening, I'm listening. And like how you see me on the video is like how I'm, you know, I'm obviously on FaceTime with her. So I see her like looking, you know, at the EMT and I can see this, like she's, there's a look of hope on her face. She's hoping they're going to come and do something. Right. And I see it. And then I see the hope go away. Like I, I just, I just knew, you know, and so um, and then I heard the EMT say, yeah, we need to call the coroner. And then like, I just was like, what? Like I was in utter disbelief. Like my whole world just changed in a matter of one phone call, you know? And um, I'm like, what is going on? You know? So I call, you know, everybody that needed to know, right. Um, I shared that news, some of it via text message. Cause I just couldn't call, like, I literally couldn't talk to anybody. I called her dad. Um, I let him know and, you know, everything. And then like the response is resounding every time. What, you know? And I was like, oh my God, if I hear what one more time, you know? Um, and so I, 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 I just, I was just in shock. I honestly, I was in shock. And, um, I talked to my brother and my brother came home and, um, he was like, cause he goes, well, what's going on? And I said, you know, Alexis passed away and, and he, and I go, I got to get out to Iowa. I got to get out to Iowa. And he's like, well, what happened? I said, I don't know what happened. And so he's like, all right, well, so my brother puts me on a plane to Iowa the next morning, um, because I needed a few hours to kind of get everything there. I had still have kids here. I have a job, you know, I'm like, I got to get everything situated and then I got to go. Um, so I get to Iowa. Um, I get, I, he books my plane to Iowa and, um, my friend calls me and, um, we have a really, we, we have such a great support system. I just want to say that, like, we have a good core group of friends that are like closer than family. And so I had another friend call me and, um, he's like, are you getting on a plane to Iowa? And I said, yes, I am. He goes, just tell me the flight number and I'll see you in the morning. And I was like, okay. You know, I wasn't asking anyone to come with me. I just knew as a mom, I needed to get out there. So, um, he comes the next morning and, um, we fly out to Iowa and thank God he was with me because honestly, like I looking back now, I, everything was just such a blur. I was in the wrong terminal at one point, like, you know, I wasn't eating and, you know, and he would even tell me like, you know, Mel, he's like, you got to eat, you got to drink. And I was like, I'm not eat. I, I don't need to, I can function like that. You know, I'm like, I, I have been through so much in my life. I'm like, I can function like this. I need, I need answers. I need to get down there. I need to see what is going on with my kid and why she's not here. Right. And, um, he's like, okay, <laughs> you know, so, but thank God he was the, thank God he was there because, you know, he was just kind of like my guardian angel, my guiding light and all that. And so we, um, we get to Iowa and, you know, flying and traveling under those type of circumstances is awful. Right. Because you just have so much like person to person interaction and you're trying not to be a jerk. Right but you don't want anyone to talk to you. Like, just don't look at me. Don't talk to me. And, and I'm trying not to be that person. Cause that's not my personality, but it, man, it was just so taxing to be around people because my world is shattered and I got to find the a little bit of ounce of patience to deal with you. Cause you have no idea what I'm going through, you know? Um, so, so, so I was like, man, this is just, is exhausting just being around people and trying to be polite, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, we get to Iowa and, um, my sister, so I hadn't seen, I hadn't physically seen my sister in probably over 10 years and, um, my sister, you know, long story short, um, she just, she just had a difficult life. And she is in a much better place, but because of her decisions, um, it put a strain in our relationship. So I had not seen my sister in 10 years. So, so not only was I dealing with like my daughter, I'm now going to go see my sister who I had been communicating with, but I hadn't seen her 
in so long. So now, you know, there, there's a little bit of anxiety there too. Like, okay, you know, I, it, you know, cause I hadn't seen her in so long. So, yeah. um, so we get there and, you know, she gives me a big hug and, you know, it just, she's like, I'm so sorry. And, and still I'm like in disbelief, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to go there and I'm going to see my kid, you know, at some point, you know, um, I think that was like the hope and the, the wishes and the dreams that were going to come of this, you know, and, and, and I knew like, logically that was not going to happen, but I was hoping that. Right. And so I get there and, um, I said, uh, I go, well, take me to her room. I, I need to see, you know, what, what's going on. And she takes me to her room. And, um, the day that, uh, she had passed, I actually talked to the, um, not only just the EMT, but the sheriff, the sheriff had came out and, um, you know, I asked the sheriff, I'm like, do you think that someone hurt her? Was there any foul play? Did she take any medication? Like, do you see any of that? And he goes, I don't see any of that. He's like, I, you know, he's like, it's not a crime scene. You know, he's like, um, I really feel like she just passed away in her sleep. He's like, I can't give you that for certainty. He's like, but because of her age, we're going to have to send her for an autopsy. And, um, so that was, you know, the day before. So as I get there the next day, I'm being mom CSI investigator. Right. So I'm looking at everything, you know, I'm like, I, I just, I'm touching everything, looking at everything. And I, you know, I'm just looking at everything with like a very askew abstract way that I've never looked at anything before. And I, and I don't know if that makes sense, but like, that's how I look at the world now. Like, I feel like I can see through people. Um, because before I would just look at you for face value. So when people talk to me or things are presented to me, I'm always looking at it for the deeper meaning. Like, did I miss something? You know what I mean? I'm like, am I missing something here? And that's how I was looking at her room. Like, what am I missing here? Like, what, what is here? What are you trying to tell me? You know? So, um, I'm there, I'm going through all her things and, um, I had brought an empty suitcase. Um, she was 22. She didn't have a whole bunch of stuff, you know, she had whatever she felt was special. Right. So, I get all her things, her journals, her pictures, you know, just, just everything you can think a 22 year old had, that's what she had, <laughs> you know, and I, <laughs> I put it in the, um, the suitcase and I just sat there and, you know, I'm, I still, I'm like in shock, like what is going on? You know, just 12 hours ago, I was talking to my kid, you know? So I, I'm still like, what is going on? Right. So, um, I talked to my sister and I'm like, what happened? So she tells me they, um, were, they had like a bonfire cause they kind of live out like, you know, in the country. And so they were having a bonfire. They were talking. Um, my sister was like, I'm going to go to bed. You know, it was like about nine, 10 o'clock. Um, and so she went to bed and my, she, they heard Alexis on the phone with me and everyone was like, okay, we're just going to leave her alone. She's, she's fine. Right. And, um, they left, they left her alone about 11 o'clock their time. Um, cause my sister lives with, um, a, a couple, a husband and a wife. Um, one of them had like a knocked on the restroom to use the restroom. And my daughter was in the restroom and the guy was like, Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'll come back. Right. And that was like 11 o'clock. So at 11 o'clock, she was still alive, Iowa time. And, um, my sister said she, you know, that was the last time that they had heard of her. So then the next morning they, my sister goes, um, to the kitchen and is waiting for my daughter to come down, but she never came down. And so she goes, and that's not abnormal because she goes, usually we have coffee together. She goes, but, um, sometimes she sleeps in, she goes, so I just thought, Hey, you know, she's sleeping in. We talked about gardening. We were going to do some stuff. And so I, um, I said, well, I'm going to go get, um, some gardening tools and bags and flowers and whatever, you know, and I make fun of my sister, I'm like, whatever you Iowa people do, you know? So, so she was like, I I'm going to go get my stuff. And, um, so she goes, and by the time I come back, she should be awake by then. And then we should be able to, you know, go do our gardening plan for the day. So she said by like 12 o'clock, she came home and my daughter had still not come down. So she thought that was odd. And then she went to knock on the door said, you know, Hey, Alexis, what's going on. And then, you know, nothing. So then she like pushed the door open and that's when she saw my daughter, like, you know, kind of slumped over and, um, she was so, and that's when she goes and my first, she goes, I told 
the, um, the gentleman in our house, like call 911 because she thought she knew something was wrong. She goes, and then my first phone call was to you. She goes, because you know, my sister, she, she's my baby sister, but she's like in her head, she goes, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like this is my niece and something's wrong with my niece and my sister's going to kill me, you know? And so she's like, I'm calling my sister. And, you know, so, but obviously she was calling me because something was wrong, but she was like, Oh my God, my sister's going to freak out, you know? So, um, so, so anywho, that's how they, that's how they found her. So I'm in Iowa now and, um, the coroner calls me and they're like, you know, we're going to, um, do an autopsy. And I had flew out Sunday and I wasn't able to see Alexis until, um, Wednesday. So for two and a half days, I just sat in Iowa in this like small hotel room. We went and got, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner at the, these tiny restaurants. There's just nothing to do out there. And I was going crazy. I'll, I'll tell you, I was going crazy. A part of me is glad that I went out there so soon. I, I honestly didn't know what to do. Like I, I couldn't have stayed here, but going there, like I was just waiting, you know? And I think that is like the worst thing to do, you know, with, with like nothing to do, you know? And my friend and I like, you know, my friend, he did a good job of just trying to keep me busy, but he, even he was like, there's just nothing to do in this town, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I know. And he's like, we got it. Like, he's like, as soon as we take care of business, it's like, we got to get back home. I'm like, yeah, I know. You know, and, and on any, any other circumstance I can deal with having nothing to do, but when you're under that amount of stress and unanswered, um, things that are going on in your mind. It, it, it's just not for me. It was just not good to be that idle. You know, I needed, yeah. I needed to know stuff. I needed to do something. And I was just like, this is awful, you know, and I was away from my family too, you know? So, so anywho, fast forward to Wednesday, the coroner calls me and they're like, um, we're going to ship her back to, um, Clorinda, which is the small town that we're, that we were in from Des Moines. And, um, they said the autopsy was finished. And so I had asked them, um, were there any significant findings? And so they did share some, um, some of that. And so the biggest thing that came out of her autopsy was that her heart was double the size of the average human heart. So, um, the average human heart is like 350 to 550 grams. So it's like about half a pound ish. And my daughter's heart was 710 grams. So a very large heart. And, um, you know, obviously they couldn't at that time give me, um, cause of death because they wanted to rule out, you know, toxicology and all that other stuff. So, um, but the coroner just said, you know, it's very possible that her heart just stopped, you know? Um, but again, we just, they couldn't, they couldn't tell me at that time, um, until they got all of their blood work back. And I said, okay, so, um, again, still very much in a blur and, you know, and I'm making notes in my phone. Cause I just knew I was going to forget a lot of this stuff, you know? So, um, so anywho, I, I, I just really struggled with that. I went, okay. You know, and four weeks prior to her passing away, she had got her COVID vaccine. And so that's kind of, you know, and I, and I struggle with that, um, you know, I don't blame the vaccine entirely on her passing, but I can't rule out that that didn't accelerate anything, you know, and, and that's my belief. And, you know, some people might, it's a very controversial topic and I know that, but those are the facts, right? She, she did take a vaccine and four weeks later she passed away in her sleep, you know, and her ultimate cause of death was, um, sleep apnea with a lethal cardiac arrhythmia. So basically she went to sleep. She did have sleep apnea. And what the coroner told me is that she had basically had become hypoxic and with, wasn't breathing. And so she wasn't breathing for such a long period of time that normally what would happen to her, she would kind of kick herself out of it. So if you ever heard anybody sleep with sleep apnea, they kind of gasp, you know, like when they realize, okay, I haven't been breathing for a while. That's, that was her norm. And so this time she didn't have the ability to like kick herself out of, you know, sleeping that way. And her heart, um, 
just eventually became weak and, and then eventually stopped. And so what the coroner ended up telling me is that 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 type of death and that type of strain on the heart is usually very painful or it can be painful, but because she was um, asleep, she probably didn't feel anything and she just never woke up. So is that comforting to you? It is. It is because in, in, in that strange way that it is, know. it is. Um, because when you think about death, most people, you think like, man, if you're going to take me out, take me out of my sleep, right. You don't want to suffer. You don't want to burn. You don't want to get in a car accident or, you know, you just don't want to do any of that. But yeah, it, it was comforting to me. Um, I, I just, and that was like the first thing that I thought of. I, I just started praying. I just went, man, you know, thank you so much for, um, taking my baby in that way, you know, like, and, and I, I know that sounds selfish. Sometimes I, I feel like when I, especially when I'm talking to other parents and I hear about how their children passed away and, you know, I just went, man, I'm so lucky to have a child that didn't pass away. And in my view, in a, in a horrific way, you know, where I had had to endure more, more suffering, you know? So no, that, that was very comforting to me. And, yeah. So, so I'm in Iowa and, um, I go to the mortuary and the lady who, um, actually was there when my daughter had passed away, ended up working at the mortuary because it's such a small town. Like they have multiple jobs, right? They're like EMT, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, um, so she had, te- she had been texting with me, like, few, the few days prior leading to Alexis, um, being transferred there. And she had said to me, um, you know, your daughter's ready to be picked up or your, your daughter's ready to be viewed, you know, come by Wednesday and we can, um, you know, get all the paperwork settled, etc. So, um, the day before on Tuesday, I was suffering with like so much anxiety, um, and I'm not, I'm not usually an anxious person. So that feeling is, it's not normal for me. And, um, I just was like, man, you know, I don't, I don't know if I can see my daughter that way. You know, I, I already saw what I needed to see when I FaceTime my sister. I just wasn't sure if I was ready to see that and did I want to see that? And then, you know, and all these questions come like, are we going to have a, um, an open casket and what, you know, what does that look like? You know, they're just all the logistics that go around burying somebody that people I think don't know or take for granted, right? When you go to a funeral, like what the planning that goes behind a lot of that, right? And so um, I prayed and I, I just kept praying and I was like, I don't know if this is the right decision for me. And I talked to my friend and my friend was like, you know, she gave me some really good advice and she just said, you know, you're not gonna be able to unsee what you see, just remember that. Right. So if, if situation was different and she had died in your arms or she was in the hospital, that that's different. Right. But you're now going to go see this. And if that's the right decision for you, then that's fine. But just remember, if you're struggling with it, you're not going to be able to unsee what you see. So you got to be okay with that. And, um, I just was like, Oh Lord, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, I don't, I don't know. And, um, so I prayed, I prayed very intently about it. And the next morning I had this, um, uh, alert on my phone. Um, cause I, I have the Bible app on my phone and it'll, it'll give you the, the verse of the day. And so, um, the verse of the day was those who seek help only, at, um, those who need help will ask God and God will give it to them. And I just went, okay. And I said, okay, Lord. I, and, and I had in my mind the night before I had said to myself and God, I was like, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. This is not for me. I, I just don't think it'll be any, it won't be, it, it won't produce anything positive for me, not in my mind, not in my emotions. You know, I just, I didn't want to see her that way. And, um, when I got that verse, it was comforting for me. And I said, okay, you know, I, I did ask for help. He, and in my mind, what I took from that is he's confirming, like, it's okay. You know? So, um, I get to the funeral home and the lady there, um, I just walked in the door and she was already in tears. 
I, I just opened the door and she was already in tears. And in my head, I was like, what is going on? You know? And I, you know, and, and I, and this is like my personality, like I'm pretty, um, level set, you know? Um, so I, and I was trying to, and I had so much peace that morning. So I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm sad, but I can't, I, in my head, I was like, okay, I just want to get my daughter back to Phoenix. I want to get home. Um, I'm kind of done with the sadness in this awful town, you know, like all these, just all these emotions. I was like, I just want to get in, get out. And, um, so I get there and, um, the lady is like in tears and she goes to, um, shake my hand. And she's like, I just want to let you know that, um, I'm really sorry. And she's apologizing for being so emotional. And she's like, I know it's so unprofessional of me. Um, she's like, but your daughter, um, I just want to let you know, she doesn't look good. And I said, okay, you know, and, and my family was there with me and, uh, I said, okay. And she goes in and I'm sorry, we tried to do the best we could to clean her up, but she just doesn't look good. And I said, okay. And I was calm, just like how I'm talking to you. I said, okay. I said, um, well, I just want to let you know that I prayed to my God and my God told me that he already told me he, he, he warned me and he told me that this wasn't, this wasn't the right decision for me. And you're just confirming that, you know? And I said, so thank you, you know, and like, you could see her, like I was comforting her, you know? And, yeah. and I said, um, I go, it's okay. I said, um, I, I appreciate you telling me that. And, um, I said, but my sister's here and my aunt who had flew in to be with me. Um, I said, I think they want to see her and I'm okay. If they do, I go, but I'm going to stay out of that room and I'm just going to, um, take care of business and, um, pay for her flight to get back home. Cause I need to get out of here, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, so my sister and my aunt go in the room and, um, they come out and they're, they, they're looking at me and they're, you know, they're obviously very emotional and they're crying and, um, they go, Melissa, that is like the best decision you could have ever made. And I'm like, you know, and that was comforting for me, you know, and I said, okay. And, and, and my sister just goes, that's not your daughter in there. Like, that's not, you know, she doesn't look that, that it's just not Alexis. And I, and she goes, that is probably the best decision you could ever make. And I said, well, you know, and, and that for me just gave me validity and, um, my faith, right. That God was talking to me. God was protecting me from that. You know, I think my sister needed to see my daughter because my sister had this guilt of like, I brought my niece out here. I'm supposed to take care of my niece and that's not what happened, you know? So I think my sister needed that closure. Um, but my sister did nothing, you know, to cause my daughter to pass away, you know, but I just, it's that guilt. And my, um, aunt just wanted to, I, I leave there, I get back home and now you start planning a funeral, right? And that's awful. Like you're planning an event that you want nothing to do with. Like, I want nothing to do with it. You know, I don't want to be there. I don't want to talk at it. I don't want to like, this is just awful, you know? And, um, my niece had messaged me and she was like, Melissa, um, do you mind if I start a GoFundMe? And at first I'm like, no, we're fine. Like, I don't, I don't want that attention, you know? And a lot of it was like, I just want to protect my kid. I don't, I, I didn't want, you know, there's just so many thoughts going through my mind. Like I, I didn't know if having an open casket would be appropriate because I didn't want people to view her. Like you go into like protection mode, you know what I mean? And, and then I was like, I don't want to GoFundMe because I don't want people to think that you know, we're not able to take care of this because we were, you know, I don't, I don't want for you to give a, a donation, then I'm subject to your opinion or, you, you know what I mean? Like, I just didn't want to open any of those doors, you know? And, um, my friend was like, Melissa, people want to help you. They don't know how to help you, you know? And that's what it comes down to. And he's like, so I get all that. Um, he's like, but let people help you. Cause they don't know what to do, you know, and they're reaching out and you're just not in a place to like do anything. He's like, let them help you. And so, and that's really hard too. Cause that's also not my personality to like accept help and, and to be vulnerable and to say, okay, here you go. You know, how, however you want to help me, you know, that, that was, that was a struggle too. Um, so she did, and we set a goal and we exceeded that goal and, um, which it's not about the money, but it was about the fact that 
we had so many people reach out to us that just loved us and cared for us. And, you know, one of the things I had shared with my husband is like, you walk this earth hoping that you touch people, right? Like that's whether you believe in God or not, um, you walk this earth, um, Jesus, (laughs) you walk this earth, hoping that, um, you touch people in a positive way and that, um, you leave a mark and an impact. And, um, I, when I saw the amount of just support, I was just like floored, you know, I was like, okay, I'm doing something right here. You know, like my daughter did something right. People love us. And, and again, it's not about the money, but it was just the overwhelming gestures, right. That came from just people like, they just want to be part of your community, you know? And, um, I've been on the other end of that, but I hadn't been on the receiving end of it. Right. So that I would just like get overwhelmed and I would cry and I'd be like, man, you know, like, we're just, we're loved. Like we're so loved and we're so thankful to have, you know, these people in our corner that they just truly want to see us, you know, heal and do well. And, you know, so, so that part was, you know, I guess if you're looking for a silver lining, (laughs) you know, that, that part was nice. Um, and so then we go into, um, planning her funeral and, um, I just knew that like planning her funeral, I wanted to make sure that it was not a funeral and that it was truly like a celebration of life and that I didn't want, um, I didn't want people to walk in there feeling sad. I wanted to make sure that when you walked in there and obviously sad because she's not here, but I just didn't want that to be like the vibe and the energy. Right. I wanted to make sure that her life was celebrated and and celebrate it basically celebrated. Right. And, and I didn't know how I was going to capture that, but I just made sure that like that I kept repeating myself and I would like apologize. And I'd be like, I I'm sorry if what I'm saying doesn't make sense, but we need to make sure that when we are doing this event, that people are walking away with light you know? And so the funeral home that, um, we chose, they did a decent job, but they probably could have done some things a little bit better. Um, and why I say that is like, people just say the stupidest things to you when you're going through something like this, you know, and some of it is their naiveness. I don't think they mean to do that. Um, but it's, it's like, man, uh, if there could be some coaching on what to say to a grieving parent, (laughs) um, I think a lot of those funeral homes could benefit from that. You know, it's like we chose a Catholic, um, uh, funeral home and I won't say the name, but, um, one of the things that the, the guy, the, I don't know what the official title is, but he was helping us. And, um, you know, there's some, my daughter wasn't Catholic. Um, she was raised Catholic, but she, as an adult decided to become, um, a, a Christian, And so, uh, what I told her dad, her dad and I agreed that we would have her services in a Catholic, um, mortuary. We would bury her in a Catholic, um, cemetery, but the service would be, uh, more of a Christian service. And we didn't want that traditional Catholic feel. And, and the funeral home was very, you know, um, understanding of that but like as we were picking stuff out they would make comments like well we don't know how religious you are and you know do you want do you know what I mean like do you want you know Jesus and the Virgin Mary and and I would say no that's just not really what she would have wanted and then their response would be like oh so she wasn't really that religious and I'm like (laughs) you know you know exactly so that it's like you know that that doesn't mean that she's not that religious she's 22 you know I don't know very many 22 year olds that are like in love with a crucifix you know what I mean and if they are that's great you know but I just was like man you could have just worded that a lot better you know so yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so I don't know if you had any experiences like that (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you'll you'll continue to have those experiences. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It doesn't get any better. No, no. Um, But yeah, so we, we, we planned her funeral. And um, one of the things that my friend had told me was, Melissa, because I because I was like, okay, well, what are we going to do for her eulogy, you know, um, 
and, and that I struggled with that. Like, am I going to talk? Is her dad going to talk? Like who, who, you know, you want, it's your child. So you want to capture them. No one can capture your child better than you, you know, unless they're up there speaking for themselves, you know? Um, so I was like, what, what do I want to do? What, what is going to be the final message? Right. And, um, I was talking to my friend and she said, Melissa, you need to let the world know and did the world, like <laughs> whoever was going to come to her funeral. Right. She's like, you need to let the world know who Alexis was, what is the story. Right. And, um, like just give them the whole background on everything. Right. And I'm like, okay. So I, and I didn't know if I wanted to do that. You know, that would, that, that is that my story with her is very, very personal. And I've shared that with um, my close friends. And, and if I feel like it's meaningful to the audience that I'm speaking to, whether it's a young girl or, you know, somebody that's going through something similar, then I'll share it. But otherwise, like, I, I have kind of basically removed that from my reality because I'm not in that space anymore. You know, yes, I am a T I was a team mom. Um, but I learned a lot from that and I'm just not there. So I kind of have, um, moved past that a little bit. Right. And so my friend was like, no, I think you need to tell the whole world what's going, like what happened. Right. And I said, okay. So I, um, I have this dictation mode on my computer and I just started, um, I hit the button and I, I just started talking. And as I talked, it captured, you know, um, my words and it was better than me typing it. Cause typing, it was a 25 page eulogy, <laughs> um, which triple spaced, but it was 25 pages, um, because I needed to see like, you know, line by line, but, um, I just started talking and basically, you know, I came from a very troubled background. My parents were um, both hearing impaired. They were deaf and that alone brought its own set of challenges growing up in that environment. And my dad passed away when I was 10 years old. My mom um, was on drugs and she was in a very abusive relationship. And so I basically was the statistic poster child of someone that's just not meant to do well in life, right? So when you look at why is this person in jail? Why is this person, you know, having all these problems in their life? Every single box that would have been checked, that's me, you know? And um, to add to that, after being the child of a single mom, dad passing away, um, family members in and out of jail, I get pregnant. Right. So it doesn't help. Like it doesn't help. It did not help my situation at all. You know, it was the best thing. It was the best thing. It was the do you, best. Do you think going through all this has increased your faith in God? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Is it oh, one, of, one of the things that like get you through the day? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, how do you, cause this didn't happen that long ago, right? Like no. passing away? No. When, what month was it? May, May 1st. Of this year? Mm-hmm. Um, so have you, and it, I, look, I battle all this. And I know you said you didn't, you don't battle like anxiety. But do you battle depression? Um, no. no, no, mm -mm. no, I, um, because I have just been through so much at such a young point in my life. Um, and I have been saved from that. And by saved, I mean, I've just had people come in my life, whether it be for a lifetime or a season, um, or things that have happened to me that I maybe have looked at that would be devastating. I like my having a kid at 14, you know, um, I have seen God turn it for good every time. And when I give him the weight of the world and I, and I, you hear, you know, and I don't say that to be cliche, but I have in more than one instance had the weight of the world on my shoulder where I just feel like everything is hopeless or it's collapsing. I give it to him 
and by, and, and figuratively, I just give it to him because there are just things that are out of our control, out of our control, you know? Um, and when I do that, he has shown me that he is an ultimate control, you know? And I'm just so, th- I, I am so thankful for like where I'm at. And, you know, even in this instance, I, you know, losing my daughter, I just, I was like, what am I going to do? Like, what am I going to do? I've never experienced, you know, a loss or a void like this ever, you know, ever in my life. And, and I, I pray to God, like I never have to ever again, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, he showed me something. Um, and I, so this is how, and this is how I found you because I was listening to Marcy, right. I was listening to her podcast and, um, there was a lady on there that had said like, you know, if one, if I could give advice, one of the things that I would say is like, start getting help right away, whether it's going to counseling or, you know, going to grief class or finding a church or whatever, like just get help right away because you need to get all that stuff off of your chest. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, so I, I found, um, my local church and we went to, um, grief class and what the very first class, I was introduced to like four other parents and, um, every single one of them, except for one, their children had died from suicide, um, had left behind a child, you know, um, parents are very angry or parents were, you know, not on the best of terms with their child. And then their child passed away, you know, and I, and I left that class. Like if you could feel like, and you know what I'm feeling like that loss of your child, if you could feel good about the loss of something that that's, that's how I walked away with like thankful, like, man, you know, just, just think like whatever you're going through, someone else out there has a much worse version of that, believe it or not, you know, you know, and how they're dealing with it and how they're coping with it. And I just feel like God showed me like, Melissa, you're so loved. And yes, when you look at, um, a a stereotype of whatever a perfect family is, right. A mom and a dad and parents that grow old with you. No, you didn't have any of that, but he has given me this community that like loves me and they love on my family. And, um, I'm not shattered, even though there are things in my life that could have very well shattered me, you know? And so, um, no, I, to answer your question, no, it has definitely brought me closer to God because I, this life is temporary, you know, this life is temporary, this pain is temporary. And, um, you know, whether we choose to believe it or not, it it's, he's in control. And sometimes, um, like there's this lady that said the most perfect thing. She was like, God's plan is perfect. I just don't have to like it. And I just went, that is so, you know, for me, I'm like, that is so true. I was like, I don't like this plan at all. You know, I don't, I don't like, you know, and, and, you know, if you read scripture, which I, you know, I do, that talks about suffering and we're going to suffer. I would never sign up for this kind of suffering, you know? I don't think anybody um, would. No, no, not at all. No. Um, but for reasons unbeknownst to me, you know, and unbeknownst to you there, there's a reason why it had to happen, you know, and I don't question that just because it will drive me crazy. You know, it will drive me crazy. And the, the mother in me is going to say, this is not fair. This is not fair. I need my baby here, you know? And I, and I feel justified by saying that, but then I know that the Christian in me has to believe in God, good and bad. Like when it's good, I believe in God. And when it's bad, like I gotta believe in God, you know, and he, and he's the one that's really taken me, you know, through this and and why I haven't gone crazy, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I, I truly, yeah, the crazy part I do know about. Yeah. Uh, can you tell me a funny story about Alexis? Um, a funny story about Alexis. Oh Lord. I'm trying to think of one. 
No, there's you're fine. You put on the spot. This is I know. This I'm is like, uh, there's quite a bit. You know, she just was a funny person in general. Honestly, she's just a funny person in general. She could make you laugh and just joke about all kinds of things. You know, she's just funny. Do you have a, a story about someone doing something special that just completely out of the blue for you or your family that, you know, when you watch the news, you see all the bad things that people do. Yeah. This just kind of reassures your belief in people. Yes. Um, so when I was in Iowa, um, and I was getting ready to leave, I, um, I was telling the lady like, okay, um, well, what do I owe you, you know, for, uh, them take receiving Alexis, you know, and she just kind of gave me this look of like, you know, like she was confused, you know, and I, I said, well, what, what do I owe you? And she goes, nothing, your friend took care of it. So my friend that had flew out there with me, you know, unbeknownst to me was like taking care of paperwork, you know, and, you know, I just, I, it, for, he didn't have to do that. You know, that's my child, you know what I mean? And that's my responsibility. And he was like, you know, you didn't have to do that. And, and, um, you know, even when, when Alexis passed away, um, I had people reach out to me, like, what can we do? So I had friends, um, you know, make the flower arrangements. I didn't have to worry about that. Our, um, family wrote an actual poem that was in her like book. I don't know what you call that book that they share with, um, the guests at the funeral. But, um, so no, j just stuff like that, you know, people are, they were just so gracious and kind to us during that time. So, all right, I'm going to ask you one more question and we'll get off here. Okay. Okay. Over the past few months, if, if a, like a new grieving parent, like I'm talking like week or two came up to you, what advice would you give to them? Mm. I would say, know that you are loved. Know that this will pass and find a healthy outlet. Find a healthy outlet, right? Um, and lean on God, right? Lean on God. And, and that's my advice, lean on God. This will pass and know that you are loved um, because I don't think there's a pain that is deeper than the pain of a parent that's lost a child. You know, there are lots of pain out there, but this one's pretty deep, you know? So yeah, it's, it's one of the unique ones, correct? Yeah. And I, and uh, I think we love our kids so much that we forget that we are loved, right? We forget that we need love. And in order to heal, you need to feel an element of love. And I, if someone came to me today and said, I lost my baby, I would just hug them. I would hug them and just tell them, I know that you are loved, you know? That's honestly, yeah, that's, 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 that's an easy way to put it to tell someone to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Melissa, for sharing Alexis. Thank you for sharing your faith. Through these times, we all need something to lean on, whether it be faith, family, or friends. To all the listeners, take care of yourself so that you can remain awesome, amazing, and adorable. <laughs>